So Matthew chapter 6, if you have a Bible, open it up. That's where we're going to be. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll have an elder, someone get one to you. Okay? So uh, last week we talked about how Christ gives us the right motivations uh, to meet with God in prayer. We talked about those heart motivations, remember? A few of you remember that? Okay. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to get into more like the how-to of prayer. And so we do expositional preaching here at Crosso, which basically means you read a passage or read a chunk of Scripture, and then you explain that chunk of Scripture. And you try to make the, me- the meaning of the passage that you read the meaning of the message. And so uh, in this series, we're actually going to be going verse by verse, through, though, uh, through the Lord's Prayer. So that we're going to be reading the same portion of Scripture uh, each week. We're going to be focusing down on, on a particular verse each week, okay? So some of this is going to maybe sound a little like a repeat, but we're going to be focusing and dialing in on one particular emphasis every week of this, of this Lord's Prayer. So uh, what I want us to do this week is I want everyone, we're going to read this together. So just stand up, and we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together, all right? And they should have that on the screen for us, all right? So we're going to read it off the screen, okay? Now, listen, I want you to engage your minds. I want you guys to read this mindfully and thoughtfully about the words that are coming out of your mouth, okay? I'm going to turn, I'm going to read it with you. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You can be seated. This is the word of the Lord. You guys did a great job. Way to go. All right? Um, Let's pray. God, it is wonderful to be here today, (laughs) to be in your presence. The song says, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And Lord, we need to pray like that. Ponder anew. We need to think again. When we think we know you, we need to think again at who you are. We need to think afresh about you, God. What you can do and who you are. So God, we have been asking through songs and prayers, open our eyes, open the eyes of our heart that we can see you. And God, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do by the end of this uh, service. Would you change us? Would you help us, help me, God, see how wonderful you are and how awesome you are. Change us today through your word. Make it so by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this all in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, many Sunday school teachers over the years, they've had to correct mistakes that uh, children make when they say the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Maybe you've heard some of these mistakes before. We put some of them up on on the screen here. I think we have them. Our Father, who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? That's a pretty good one. Uh, Lead us not into Penn Station. That's my favorite one. Uh, and the most common one is, Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. And uh, I don't know, has anyone ever prayed that before? You can be honest. We're in church. Don't lie. 
Don't break commandments, all right? It's okay. Listen, it, it, it's, it's always funny to hear what kids hear, but the truth is that many of us have grown up regarding the Lord's Prayer, uh, repeating it. Uh, we've repeated it almost mindlessly, thoughtlessly. We just kind of did it by rote, but we didn't really realize how powerful these words of Jesus are. We might as well have been praying to someone named Howard. You know what I mean? We're not really paying attention to the words that are coming out of our mouth. But Jesus gives us a starting place when it comes to addressing God, to meeting with God in prayer. He says that we need to ask for God's name to be hallowed. That's how he starts this off in teaching his disciples about prayer. So I've got three questions that are going to help us step through this verse today. What does it mean to hallow God's name? Why do we do it? And then how do we do it? Pretty logical, right? So we're going to start with the first one. What does it mean? What does it mean to hallow God's name? Now, hallowed is not really a word we use too frequently today, right? It's kind of an old word. I mean, try dropping that word in like this afternoon in a conversation at lunch. Just just try it. It's going to be hard. It's an old word, right? But it's a good word. It's such a good word that even some of the modern translations, they've kept the word there, hallowed. Because there's really not an English equivalent to all that this word encompasses. To hallow something means to set it apart as holy. Something that is holy is uncommon. It's sacred. The closest equivalent that we have of this word is, is awe. It's awe. To hallow someone or something means that it makes you barely able to speak. You're forced to speak in a whisper because you are so in awe of whatever it is you're looking at or hearing, maybe, or in the presence of. It makes your knees buckle, makes your jaw drop. It stops you in mid-sentence. You momentarily lose the track of time. How long were we here? Two minutes? Two hours? I don't know. I wasn't thinking about time. You understand what I'm saying? This is awe. It makes you physically tremble because you realize you are in the presence of something that is beautiful beyond words and powerful beyond your abilities and valuable beyond price. All at the same time. That's awe. That is something that is hallowed. Uh, for some of us, uh, that's the birth of our children. That's what it was. That's one of those moments for me. That was a hallowed moment in time. It was a sacred time. To witness them coming into the world was simply breathtaking. There was a sense that I'm staring at something that is more beautiful than I had the vocabulary at the time to express in words. And that even though these little beings were so frail, they were incredibly powerful. You just got that sense at that moment. I realized that at that moment, I was a dad, ready or not. <laughs> da 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 <laughs> You're a dad with all the responsibilities that come with that. It changed. I realized that these little people would powerfully alter my schedule and how I even made plans, let alone the plans that I had. How would I even go about the process of making plans would now change for the rest of my life. To hold that much power close to your chest in such a small little package was truly awesome. And I mean that in the true sense of that word, awesome, full of awe. 
Because when you are near awesomeness, you change. So to hallow something is to set it apart as sacred. Everything isn't awesome, regardless of what the song says. Right? Only certain things are hallowed. It means to be in all of it. So now, the first request of this prayer is that the name of God would be hallowed. So what does that exactly mean? Well, in ancient times, a person's character and nature would be bound up in their name. Their name not only identified who they were, but also what they were. It described what they were, so to speak. Okay? It didn't just identify who they were, but it kind of was a descriptor. So like in the, in, the, in the Bible, we have this. We have Abraham. Just some examples. Abraham. His name means the father of a multitude. Why? Because he was. It didn't just identify him as a person. Isaac, son of laughter. Daniel, God is my judge. Isaiah, salvation of God. Ruth means friend. She wasn't just Ruth. She, she like really was a friend, wasn't she? That's who she would describe her. She was a friend to her mother-in-law. Naomi, she was a friend of Boaz. She was a friend of the people of God. They weren't even her people. God wasn't even really her God. She was a friend. So it's a descriptor of her. And in the same way, the name of the Lord is all that God was and is, all that God has done in history. It's his reputation and it's his character, all rolled into one concept, okay? And so we have some examples of this here, even of, of the name of God in Scripture. It's, he's called God is our rock. He's the one that endures. God is our fortress, the one who gives us security. God is our peace, who gives us rest. God is our provider. When we are in need, He has the provisions, right? They come from Him. God is our healer. When we are sick, He has the healing. It comes from Him. God is almighty. He has no equal, no peer. He is the Lord of armies, or sometimes it's called the Lord of hosts. This is a great one. All His armies combined on their best day and God's worst day are no match for God. That's what it means to be the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. He is the Lord of creation. Everything that exists, exists by Him and for Him, and it only continues to exist because He wills that it continues to exist. Or it becomes extinct. He is the Lord of the covenant. He is in a committed relationship with us. He is our Redeemer. He has rescued us from certain death. So what's, what I find interesting about this, all the names of God is this, that no one name encompasses all the totality of who God is. God is so unsearchable, He's so glorious, that He must use multiple names to describe and disclose Himself to us. He's that big. We're going to come back around to this later in the message, but I, I found that really interesting, that He has to use all these names because He is so glorious. What could encompass all that He is? And so Jesus instructs us right here to begin our prayers by regularly asking God 
to help us clearly see the magnitude of his holiness and of his uniqueness so that we would be in awe of God. When we pray, we should regularly be requesting that every aspect of our life be shaped by the awesomeness of God. Remember what I said? When you're in the presence of awesomeness, when you stand in awe of something that is hallowed, you change. You can't be the same. This is a great request. We're asking that every part of our life would be changed when we pray to him like this. The way that we do our marriage, the way we handle conflict in the church or at home, the way we spend our money, the way we save our money, the way we do our work at school or at our job, the way we worship together, the way we interact with other people. We're asking that all of that, all of our life would be changed by God, by who He is. Before we ever get to our needs in prayer, it is good for us to regularly ask that we would be so stunned, guys, so enamored by the gloriousness of God that we would be a changed people. That is what it means to hallow God. Now, why do we do that? Why should we hallow God's name? I've kind of already alluded to it a little bit. But here's the short answer, okay? Because we will hallow something. (laughs) We will. As Paul Tripp says, we are hardwired. I love that. We are hardwired to be in awe of something. We can't help ourselves, guys. Right? We are created, literally created with a capacity to be in awe of something or someone. We have all these receptors that help us do that. Our taste buds, taste buds they know the difference between the flavors of fast food and made-from-scratch food. Amen? You can tell. We can taste the difference between Velveeta cheese and imported Dutch Gouda. Our eye can tell the difference between watching a sunset through a flat-screen TV and watching it explode thousands of colors across the sky from our back porch. We just know the difference between the two, and we're not fooled by that. So the question is not if we will hallow something. The question is who or what will we hallow? What do we believe is worthy to be set aside as sacred? that we're going to put in a whole different category. You want to know how you can tell what you're in awe of? Take a look at what you sacrifice for. Just take a look at what you sacrifice for. You you know what I'm saying? Like, when you sacrifice for something that you really love, it's not a sacrifice. Everyone else thinks, what a sacrifice. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is, a, this is awesome. That's a great way you can tell. What do you, for what do you sacrifice your free time or your weekends? For what do you sacrifice your hard-earned paycheck? You know? Hey, you know what? This money I earn is great. That's awesome, though. I'm giving it to that. What do you sacrifice for? I mean, that's worth 50 bucks. That's worth 1,000 bucks. What is it? For what would you sacrifice your time and energy? 
I don't get them, I don't understand them, but I'm going to burn the energy on trying to understand them. I love them. They're awesome. Does this make sense? For what do you sacrifice your reputation with other people? I know they're not going to like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it because it's worthy. It's true. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever we hallow or are all awed by runs our life. It runs our life, Crossway. This is a huge deal. This is not a minor point. What we hallow actually shapes what we value and how we behave and how we make decisions on a street level, on like a day-to-day level. In that moment... This is what I hallow. So in that moment, in real time, this affects what I value, how I behave, and what I choose to do. It's a big deal. So look at what you sacrifice for. Just take a second right now. Just look at what you sacrifice for. I'm not saying what you believe. Forget what you believe. What do you sacrifice for? And answer this question. What is it that you're hallowing right now? I know what it is for me. What is it for you? See, here's the truth. That, that, that what we see, see this throughout the entire Bible, the entire scope of Scripture, if we hallow anything other than God as our God, it will fail us. And when it fails us, it will fall on us. And when it falls on us, it will kill us. No matter how good it is, it cannot handle the weight of being deity because it is by design creation, not creator. And yet we do this all the time, don't we? Let's be honest, we do it like every day, right? Sometimes hourly we do this. We make the grandchildren the reason we're celebrating Christmas. Oh, the grandchildren aren't coming? Well, call off Christmas. I'll be in the bedroom eating a box of donuts, right? We make our intelligence our identity. See, I'm the guy who knows how to run this department the best. That's who I am. I'll make sure everyone knows that and remembers that. We make comfort the thing that makes us feel secure. Yeah, hey, I'll go along and I'll do that with you as long as I don't have to change anything. I'll do that. I'll join that. I'll be a part of that as long as you don't have me change anything. Because I want comfort. We make our personal freedom the one thing no one can question and no one can limit it. I'll be glad to be committed to you. I'll be committed to, to this as long as I get to come and go as I please. Sure, I'm in. I'll do that. We are hardwired for awe, but the problem is that we are constantly awed by created things that cannot satisfy us. And God tells us they will, they will eventually enslave us because whatever you're awed by controls your life. It runs your life. 
Psalm 135, 15 through 18. It says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. They have mouths, but they don't have breath in their mouths. And those who make them become what? Like them. Isn't that interesting? You are what you worship. And so do all who trust in them. We could say, and so do all who awe them, hallow them. The people here, they hallow these idols they've created, and they become like them. They become deaf, they become mute, they become blind. They become breathless. They promised them life, but instead they take life in the end. Isn't this amazing? Do you see this? Do you see why we need to regularly request when we go to God? We need to ask Him over and over. Hey, help me be in awe by who you are. I forgot. I forgot. I need you to remind me. The Lord is telling us to do something that is good for us. It's a benefit. It's a blessing. His commands are blessings. Isaiah 57, but the Lord God helps me. That's another name for God. The Lord is my helper, right? The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. I know that I shall not be put to shame. Do you see why hallowing God's name needs to be first before our other needs? Because we don't even know how to ask for our needs to be met until we hold God as ultimate in our life, as supreme, highest. When our hearts do not hallow God as God, He shrinks to the size of a toy vending machine. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like those things you see in truck stops? You put the money in, it's got the nice neon, tacky neon lights. And that's kind of how God shrinks to that size when we're, he's not hallowed in our hearts and mind. We put in our time at church. We give him a full 2% of our paycheck. We avoid the big sins that wouldn't get us arrested. And somehow we think that he owes us for all the time we put into him. Guess what? That's not all in God. That's, that's all of self. Not God. The truth is that in prayer, we don't even know how to ask for God for what we need until we hallow Him. James 4.3 says it this way, you ask and you do not receive. And here's why. Because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions. God wants you and I to know that He is far more glorious than a vending machine. He's far more glorious than the love of another. As glorious as that is, he surpasses it. He's far more glorious than the winning Powerball ticket. As great as that may be, he's beyond that. He's far more glorious than unlimited personal freedom. As great as that may be, God is far more beautiful and powerful and ferocious and loving than we can imagine. And to have Him is to have the one thing that will truly satisfy you forever. This is why we should hallow the name of God. This is why. 
So how do we do that? How do we hallow God's name in prayer? Well, we do it by an act of grace and by means of grace. That's kind of the short answer. We do this by an act of grace. We don't have a chance of hallowing God's name on our own. God actually has to help us hallow God. Isn't that crazy? And he does this. He does this through Jesus. Excuse me, the writer of Hebrews says this. He starts the epistle off, first verse out of the gate. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is, Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The awesomeness of God is made most visible in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. To pray that God would hallow himself in us is to pray that we would become amazed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he's done, right? What did we talk about earlier? Who he is and what he's done. John 1.14 says it this way, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Some translations say, And we have beheld His glory. Which means to be seen, seen something, but captivated. And we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The only way God can be recognized as hallowed, supreme, sacred, treasured of all things, altogether lovely and wonderful, full stop, is that when our hearts behold Christ, that's it. The one who loved, get this, get this, get this, the one who loved the undeserving and unlovable. Now that's awesome. I don't care if you're a mom, that's awesome. That's hard to do. He healed the incurable, not just the sick guys, the incurable. He raised the dead to life. He brought light into darkness, commanded the fish of the sea and the wind and the waves and even demonic spirits to all of them to do his will by the word of his power. When he wanted them to. And why did they obey him? Why does a fish obey in the wind and waves? Because they heard his voice from the beginning when he created them. That's what Hebrews says. They recognize his voice. He's God. He's awesome. In Christ, both the holiness and love of God met. And for the first time, we were able to behold the gloriousness of God face to face and live to tell about it about it 
in the name of Jesus, the fullness of God's nature and character was displayed. Jesus is the one name that finally sums up all that God is. He is the ultimate superlative of God, the full descriptor. Philippians 2.9 says it this way, Therefore, God has exalt, highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name, the name that is above every name. We can only hallow God in prayer and in our life by an act of grace. Thank you, Jesus. But he's also given us means of grace. God has given us different means to understand and to experience the glory and awesomeness of God displayed in Jesus. How do we tap into that? How do we rub up against that? How does that get connected here with us? There's, there's lots of different ways. Just a couple I'm going to bring out. Daily prayer. That's what this series about, is about anyway, right? You knew I was going there, okay? It's not some big surprise. Daily prayer. Praying every day. Multiple times a day, even, if you want. It's how we encounter this. Ask God to open your eyes to his greatness in the gospel and the personal work of Jesus Christ. Ask him to reveal whatever you are substituting for Jesus as the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning or makes you stay up way past your bedtime. Okay? Ask him. He'll answer that prayer. He'll totally answer that prayer. In fact, you don't have to do that on your own. Ask other people to pray with you and to pray for you. We've got to quit this Lone Ranger religion stuff. This, I'm, I am an island. I can do it. That's not church. That may be Washington, but that's not church. Okay? Ask other people to pray with you. You don't have to pray? They'll pray for you and pray with you. That's okay. We offer prayer up here every week, so you don't have to pray alone. That's why we do it. I hope more of you take that opportunity to receive prayer every week. Guys, you come to have prayer? That doesn't mean you're messed up and jacked up and you're a really extra bad person and see all the good people stay over here, but all the, like, the really like sorry cases are here. We're all jacked up. I hate to break it to you. You all need prayer. So let's just be honest. You should, okay, you should see like this. Come get a gift. Come get a reward, so to speak, a present, a blessing from God. I, God, just tell him, God, you're awesome, like a lion, and I yawn at you. Help me not yawn so much. You'll answer that prayer. That's how, that's how it happens. What are you waiting for? Anyway, <laughs> you can also reach out to other people, all right? It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be an elder. It could be other believers, all right? We pray together. Corporate worship, that's another means of grace. It's another channel. Part of what you and I are doing every Sunday as we gather to worship God is we are being defiant. Do you guys see this as defiance? I, I, I hope you do. It might change some of your guys' perspective of what we do when we gather on Sunday. It's an act of defiance. When we gather together, we're saying that God is greater than anything else. 
That's what we're saying. Come to be in his presence. What we are physically saying is everything else can just wait in line for the next 90 minutes. You could just wait. God is awesome. That's what we are saying. And so we're practicing defiance. That's why we do this every week. We're practicing and practicing that. You know what we're doing? With every tie that we bring, with every prayer we pray, every song that we sing, every sermon that we respond to, we are reminding, not so much ourselves, but we're reminding one another of how awesome God is. That's why I need you and you need me. We are reminding that God is supreme in our life. When we gather regularly, we remind one another that we can only enjoy the things of life when we are in awe of the giver of life. But so this is another means of grace, of being in awe by God. And so may God make it so in us. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, it is incredible to be here with you. I thank you that even now you're speaking to our hearts. Even now you are changing. You are stirring uh, us up. You are opening eyes. You are uh, providing the gift of faith. You are helping us believe that you are supreme. And it is good to submit our life to you, to worship you. Lord, would you help change how we pray? We ask that you would be hallowed in our soul and in our thoughts. We thank you for Jesus, the name above all names, the radiance of you, the exact imprint of your nature and character. Lord, help us hold up Jesus. Help us worship Jesus. And we thank you for it in his great supreme name. Amen.